0: Welcome to Wine Talk for today, Wednesday, January twenty seventh, two thousand and ten. It's seven p.m. Eastern, and I'm your host, Steve the Wine Guru, coming to you live from beautiful Coral Springs, Florida, as I always do. As you know, I'll I'll take your calls any time during the show at 1-646-381-4860 or email me your questions at info at stuthewineguru.com. The chat room is not working tonight, so we're going to keep it to either your emails or your call-ins. I want to say 2010 has started off amazing for the show. I want to say thanks to all the listeners out there for getting the word out welcome everyone listening worldwide i call that the power of the people meets the power of the internet if you want to find out more about me just google student wine guru you can find the websites videos articles and shows i'm currently a part of speaking of articles and reviews i'm writing wine articles and reviews for yahoo google and the examiner so look for those as well i've also made a wine 101 series of videos that can be viewed on both youtube or my website, www.stuthewineguru.com. Check those out. My next installment will be Wines of Italy. I will review some Chianti for you. All right, I've been waiting for this for a while. I am pumped about my guests coming on the show tonight. First and foremost, let me say, I'm a music audiophile due to my many years of working in the music business from the early 90s into the early part of the millennium. I'm also a musician from way back in my early teens playing bass guitar, and then later in the 20s and 30s, I was playing and singing in the classic rock cover bands. And I say all this because in a few minutes... I'll be introducing my guest tonight who is a luminary of the music business. But first, let me give you the lineup of the show tonight. It's going to be a little different, a little off format, because I want to give my guest the utmost time for questions and to talk with her tonight most of the hour. Of course, the number to call in is 1-646-381-4860, or if you're shy and you prefer the computer, email me your questions at info. That's Stu, the wine guru. As I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, the chat room is not working tonight. So on the show page, so you'll just have to either email or get on that phone. And give me a call. Okay. As I alluded to earlier, I have a music biz luminary. She's an author, photographer, jewelry designer, talk show host, humanitarian, and as I I feel, all-around great lady, she was in the studio and credited on many music legends albums such as David Bowie, Elton John, Ringo Starr, Bob Marley, and Robert Palmer, and I'm just naming a few, I'm scratching the surface. But I think her biggest claim to fame is being a creative musical inspiration, a muse, and girlfriend of one of music's most prolific, relevant listen to, and maybe misunderstood artists of our time. His name was John Lennon, and her name is May Pang. Please welcome to the show, May Pang. You there, May? Me? Hello? You
1: there, May? I'm here.
0: Can you hear me? Uh, we can hear you. I, I can hear you. All right. Fantastic. I, I have to say, first and foremost, this is an honor and a pleasure to have you on my show tonight, and to all my listeners out there, you can call in and speak with me or myself anytime at one six four six three eight one four eight six zero. As I said earlier, email your questions to info at guru dot com. Okay, let's get to it. I have lots to ask.
1: Okay, May, go for it. You all ready?
0: <laughs> um, okay. I'm running I'm ready to go. All right. So May, so take me back to the beginning. You grew up in Spanish Harlem. Your parents were Chinese immigrants. Right. Uh, what, what, what were your musical influences back then?
1: You know, back then the the, the musical influences really a lot of Latin music. You know, mm-hmm. you know more very rhythmic. You know, I had the Chinese going through with my with my family. They'd be playing their Chinese records, but I was into the outside world, listening to what was going on. There, there was a lot of duop going on as well. You know, if people don't know what that is, you know, when you have four or five part harmonies, I don't know, there's there's a group standing on the corner. summertime. It was great because I just Mm -hmm. stuck my head out, and I I grew up in the projects, and I I could hear these guys going, no, 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 you take that part. No, I'm going to take this part, and, you know, they could do their thing, and it was so amazing. That helped me go through a lot of things in life because music was was so universal. Um, It just helped me. You know, set my way, you know, if you, if you had problems and, you know, you think when you're a child you don't have, you do. Because, you know, you're living, I lived in an area where it was um, mainly uh, Latins and, and Blacks. And here I am in a Chinese family, maybe two families in the, the whole, you know, radius of how many blocks around me. You know, so I was right. an outsider. So I was really an outsider and I needed to um, feel, you know, I, I didn't feel accepted. So I see, yeah. Would me, music would take me away. American Bandstand was a very big influence for me as well. Yeah, that, now that started earlier
0: on, right? That uh, Around the late 50s, early 60s. Right, absolutely. Right. So, so you were able to, to watch that and, and listen to, I, I imagine, go out and get some of the albums and listen to some of the, the records that were um, oh. available by some of those artists.
1: Well, you know what it is? It, when you think about it, a lot of people don't realize American Bandstand was not Hollywood, it was really started out in, in Philadelphia. Yeah. And and that, it was. I thought that was the better part of, of American Bandstand because you, you got a chance to see the neighborhood kids. You were able to um, relate to them. You know, so-and-so, right. uh, oh, let's see who's next week. Oh, you know, you just got that feel of, I've got the neighborhood. You know these people. And in right. later years, I actually met maybe, I think I met one uh, of the original people. Really? Was, yes. <laughs> and it was just kind of funny, you know. And
0: Was it more was it more of a thing of them being awestruck by you?
1: I was, you know what? But at that time when I met this guy, um yeah. he didn't know anything because I was just growing up into the into the music business, so I hadn't right. even gone out with John yet at that point. Oh, I see. So I wow. was really in awe of the the fact that this guy, Ed, was was part of that group. And, you know, and I was saying, oh, my God, we were talking about the different people on the show. He goes, oh, yeah, I'm still in touch with, you know, there was Carmen and Vet Jimenez and, and, you know, uh, Pat Carpina I can remember some of the names. That's the test. <laughs> I was, I was the no, be, um, that's amazing. And you know, so for me it was it was um an amazing time and and uh, it w- it was great. I think and I got to hear the Philly sound and I got to know all those songs right. and I know people know it. The mashed potato time, pony time, the twist with Chubby Checker, Bobby Ryder sure, sure, sure. one of my favorites. So and of course and in years to come when I went to work for APCO, Alan Klein's office. And right, at right. that time he he managing he was managing both The Rolling Stones and the Beatles Company and Apple. I got to work on the Cameo Parkway, which was all those songs.
0: Right. Now here's here's my question. Something going into that. I'm gonna dovetail a little bit into that. So is that what made you want to go into the music business? And essentially what it was is you here you are you're seeing some of the, the people on television and you're seeing some of the artists perform on American Bandstand.
1: I think Is there
0: it was, something at that point in
1: time? I think it was it, it was the seed at that point, you know. It okay. hadn't fully formulated and I think as as I started to get a little older and I started to hear more music and then it started to be changing, um, when the Beatles got into into the mix and then sure. you know, with the with um, then they you had uh, local groups like the Rascals and things. And, you know, we had Ed Sullivan here. You start going, Yes. Well, right okay, in the city. wait a minute, that's way Hold on, yeah. I, I think I like being in this business, you know.
0: Sure. So you put it together right then and there, and that's where the seed start was planted. Yes. So, so after you graduate from college, we'll take it a few steps over.
1: Well, um, I never, actually, you, let me take it back one step. But I don't want people to think, okay, yes. I I only went one year. I couldn't handle it. I just couldn't handle it.
0: <laughs> okay. I, can, I, I can't wait. There's people out there that, you know. It, they, they get in and with all the intentions, and uh, for whatever it is, whatever the reasons, and the um, – Yeah, well, it, know, it, the, just didn't,
1: it bored me. I was not a happy – you know, people say, you know, you got to do what you want. I was not an accountant. I did not want to right. – I was, I was actually doing marketing, um, retail marketing, which actually right. would have been more suited for me. But I have to tell you – Imagine I'm if you happy. went into that
0: instead. <laughs> I went
1: into retail marketing, but here's the thing. The teacher that I had who was a salesman's teacher, he's salesmanship. I mean, every morning he would open the door, and I went to remember. I went to Catholic schools. So this was the first time I was actually going into a public school type thing. And he, the guy would open the door, fling his briefcase across the room, and start talking about who he is every morning. And I'm thinking right. to myself, is this the salesmanship teacher? <laughs> is this how you're supposed to act? I, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't think so. I, so it threw me, and I said, right. you know what? I got to get out of here.
0: Okay, so you so you get out of college. Okay, and you decide to go into a different direction. You had yes. a few jobs. One of them was a job business. I I love this. I had read about this. I wanted I want my listeners to get a feel for what this was about because I I'm I, not quite sure if this is if this is still going on or if it's changed. But okay, you know what I'm alluding to. You okay. have a job as a song plugger. I want well, to want was you much tell later.
1: Me, yes, as a song plugger. The song plugger is a lo- little later. Tell me about that. Okay, being okay, a song plugger. This is after years of understanding, and and I, I I guess I always had it, because Sean used to trust me in in hearing my opinion about songs and what I thought about. Yes. it. Being a song plug is being able to sort of spot a hit, whether you think that right. song could be a hit, even in its most infancy stage. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, I'll give you a perfect example. There was a song on the um, on you know on the uh, radio I heard one day, and I said, oh wow, I love this song. And all of a sudden, I'm I'm singing it. So I turned around to the guy next to me who happened to be Andrew Oldham. Now, Andrew Oldham, for people who don't know, was the Stones' uh, first manager and producer. Okay? During the early days. Mm -hmm. So I turned around and I said, Andrew, why do I know? Who is this? Who is singing this song? And he says, it's a, you know, um," and I've got the title myself, but he tells me the title, and I said, why do I know it? And then he goes, it's Don Johnson. I said, Really? And he's got a number really? one hit song. It was the number one hit song. It was his, you know, it's one of those that do you know, one hit wonders, but he had a hit.
0: Right, sure. Okay. And I'm sitting
1: there going, um, <laughs> Heart, right. Nothing but a heart. It was, I think it was called Heartbeat or something. Or it was Heartbeat. Yes. Um, And I said, Why do I know the song? I know the words. And right. so then I thought about it, and lo and behold, a couple of years earlier, I was at another company. Yes. And I said, I, I, the song came across my desk by one of the writers, and I said, it's a good, upbeat song. Now, I played it for people. I try to get that, uh, as a song plugger you try to get people to record the song.
0: Right. Everybody
1: said, oh, it's okay, it's, it's nothing great. I said, no, it's nothing great, but it's a good song. And I said, I think it would be a hit for someone. And I okay. said, it's not saying it's the end all be all. And they said, yeah, okay, next and no one believed me. So two years right. later, here's a hit by somebody, right. the same person, <laughs> took that song and gave it to Don Johnson and became a hit. Got and I it. thought it's a laugh. That's
0: great. That's so, this, great.
1: so you're able to take a song. That's what a song, song plugger is. Yes. And that's mm-hmm. what a real song plugger is, to be able to take that song and turn it into something for someone else and say, hey, I think it's going to be a hit for you.
0: Right. You've got to be mad that's kind of morphed, I guess, on at the record labels into other jobs, other positions. You know, um, it, can, it can,
1: but you know what? If you have any idea, it's like I gave a song, um, <clears throat> I gave a song to Diana Ross. Now you would yes. never have thought it would have been Diana Ross, but you could hear it. If you could hear, imagine it. She did. She did do the song in the end. Only thing okay. is, I wish she would have done it with the way I had sent the demo in. And not reproduce it, you know, not, right, not right. reproduce it over again. It, it was an amazing because people heard the song. They said it's a great song. They said they also said the same thing. But it was. I- do you remember what
0: song it was? Do you remember what it turned out to be? Yes,
1: the song is called okay. Love Lies, and mm-hmm. it was uh, it was on her Silk album. Oh sure. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And so, if no, I okay. played you the
1: original song, you would not believe it. Now, just to, just to go one step further, and then you could sure. There's yeah. a great song. There was a great song that um, some people, when they do the song, and you get them to the end, they say, yes, I want to do it, they do exactly like the demo. Right. And the one song I heard, my favorite, was Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue. Okay. The writer was uh, is a Nashville writer named Richard Lee. I heard his demo. And okay. He, the way he wrote and sang it is exactly how she did it. So it's as much really? as hers, as much as it is his, even though he wrote it, you could, he, he, she did everything just like him. Okay. And it was an, and obviously it was a great song because everybody remembers Oh yeah, absolutely. It. Yeah. I
0: you, I she hit. did
1: it. She did it
0: exactly like him. Well, you know, then you have to have the insight and the foresight, I should say, to know to do it that way as opposed to try to change it and make it your own and make it different. Yeah. All right. Let me have, let me ask you a couple of questions here that I have that I'm thinking about right off the bat. So we'll go back to 70, 1970, you get a job as a receptionist at Apple, right? Right. And as you mentioned, you alluded to earlier, Alan Klein's management office, which was at the time represented Apple, right. and John and George and Ringo, right. very young. Tell me how you meet John, and, and then how did he and Yoko choose you Go from being a receptionist to being a personal assistant.
1: Well, by that point, that John had come in, I was already in publishing. At that point, I was mm-hmm. as, as much as I was a receptionist. I was also I started actually in, in royalties. We all took our turns and being the receptionists out there. I, I was see. very I was I was very much um, I was the you know in the sense of gopher, but I had already I was working in publishing. But they. Would move me around, like whoever needed, like Alan Klein himself needed a secretary because they kept quitting, and so they would put me in there. Right. Well, by that point, when John and Yoko had arrived, um, which was already happened to this company, right. I had already met Ringo. He would uh, pop through for one day. I, sure. had, I had met Badfinger. I had met uh, Jackie Lomax. And sure,
0: sure, sure. Great names. Name.
1: Ha- right? George Harrison. And he's coming. Yes with his album under his arm. Okay, well, things must pass. That end of that year, John and Yoko shows up. Now, they're in town. Right. Nobody knows why. They just come unannounced. We are all there. And finally, when he gets in, and they're talking to Alan and saying why they're there. They needed people. So he goes, you know, their request was, we need people to help out. Okay. And they all knew that I was one of those people that, would, that understood what was going on. And they called me because they, they had already seen me in the office. Because I had, when they first arrived, I was the person that went to them and said, "If you need anything, you know, please let me know." So they sure. chose. So they. So in essence, the office let me go, but they also knew that I was one of the the, the girls in the office, and I went there, oh. and I and I and I worked for them on two movies called Up Your Legs Forever and Fly. Right. Those and fly. Are right. Movies. Right. So over the years, after it was done and after they left, every so often they would call. I would get the call. John and Yoko need something. Get this done. Right. So they this went on, and when they come back, they said, "Listen, they're back in town. They need some people. You go, because it's it, it was not job for the for the older statesmen, as I would say, It was more for the kids who wanted to do things. Right. And I was the going, yeah, I'm the yeah. go-getter. I was like what 20 years old. Yeah. So uh, uh, go
0: ahead. No, no, no I was going to say I have a call that came through. I wanted to know if you want to want to grab a call.
1: Sure, we could grab a call.
0: Okay, I just want to make sure I want to stay on that note. Uh, it looks like someone from Nevada. Let's uh, let's get that one in. Hold on a second. Get them on the air. Caller, what is your name, and uh, where are you calling from? Justin Marks. I'm calling from Nevada. Okay, excellent. What's your question? Uh, my question is for May. Um I I'm, I'm a musician. I've been playing, you know, I've been playing guitar for, you know, since I was like 10 years old and stuff like that, you know. And uh, I was wondering, what was it like for, you know, young musicians to like what you thought would what it was like for them to break into the industry back in the 80s?
1: Okay. The the one thing that I will tell you, the one advice that I would tell anyone, and it's and John would say the same thing you got to be hungry enough to want this this position in life. So no matter what you do, to break in, you've got to figure out what you got to. First off, you got to want that so badly that you will do anything to get that position. Right. Meaning, no matter if you go out and you said, okay, I want to get into this record company, they pass on you. you got to come back and say, what? Ask them for a critique. You need the critique because you can't. And and don't and the one thing is don't um, don't take everything you know like you don't don't say oh they don't know what they're talking about when you watch those American Idols you go oh they don't know yeah, what they're yeah, saying yeah, I know. you do they do know that's why they're there that's
0: right. and
1: and so the idea of it is you don't have to take everything but you got to learn to to sort of say okay let me twist this around. If you look at, if you hear everybody, and you read everybody's uh, biographies and how they got there, it's the tenacity that they have, in wanting this, and willing to change, but not losing what they are about, but to be able to make them notice in a different light. You know. Um, yes. Yeah. That, that that really is that. You know, the Beatles were not just a group that that came on the scene and overnight they got the sensation. They worked very hard for where they were. Sorry. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So that's so I I always say. But if your song like this a guy I'll tell you when I was working in publishing, one of the guys came to me and he said, well these are my songs that I that I want you to see if you can get people to record them. And I I I read you know, I heard their songs and I said, listen, sat him down. And I said, you know they're too poppy. There's nobody on the scene that's going to be looking for a song that this poppy. You know we're we're yeah. way past that. I need songs that what's on the scene now. What was it? Uh, at the time it was a foreigner and things like that. The guy took listened to me, went back, did a song, came back and played it for me. He changed it, he listened, he did it, and we managed to get the song. And it went to, we made it a little hard. Several people wanted. John Waite was one. But in the end, the, one, the, the group that won out was Judas Priest. Oh, yeah, I love that. Wow. Right, Judas Priest, Take These Chains was my song, and I got it out to them. It was the only outside cut, meaning it's the only one that they didn't write. That and it changed this writer because now all of a sudden he became now mind you this guy was a pop uh, pop writer and a Christian writer and now I made him into a heavy metal writer.
0: That's incredible. So,
1: so for years he was known as a heavy metal writer.
0: Yeah, I, that's mean, great. Yeah, I, I play a, I play a song with him and I play you've got another thing coming by them. I played that sounds like 11 years old. Right.
1: So so yeah. you, that's that's what it is. Bob Halligan that's the guy's name and he was yeah. my writer and that's the that's the change so you got to be adaptable and be able to make it. And then, you know what? Once they see you on one thing, then they'll they'll come back and listen to everything else. They'll, all of a sudden, everybody has fresh eyes. But, again, you got to be adaptable somewhere
0: along the way. Yeah. Well, I thank you for the call there, Justin. Appreciate it. No problem. Okay. Keep listening in.
1: Thank you for okay. calling in. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you again,
0: Justin. Okay, so let me, uh, let's go to the that bit of time that uh, – and I think it's a real misnomer, obviously. Let's move a bit forward into the this summer of 73. This was a time when the Lost Weekend, again, a misnomer, because you were living with John for 18 right. months. Um, during that period of time, and I agree a thousand percent, it said he produced some of the best post-Beatles music. He, he records his first single, uh, the number one single, as a solo artist, whatever gets you through the night. His right. first number one album, Walls and Bridges. And you're living I, you've got to be living a dream, I imagine, right? what, what is John's pro- yeah, you just know what? what is John's process for writing music during that time? I and mean, when did he write daytime, nighttime? What exactly was the process? Well you know, you're there. You with somebody that you know sat with three other uh, major influences in the music business, obviously Paul and Ringo and, and George, and they were the only ones privy to that process up until that point, uh, of course, Yoko, but you know. Here you are with that, that person. Tell me what it's like. What is the process that goes on? You know,
1: for, for John, it was every, every you know, It's a phrase. You know, like whatever gets you through the night was something that he heard. Uh, you know, when he was watching one night, it was late night, and you know, cable. I'm telling you, he was such a, a TV <laughs> fanatic. <laughs> Late at night, you know, the cable okay. had come in, and there he is with the push button, and, you know, we're looking at all these channels, you know. Sure. And he's channel, and he's channel surfing. I mean, I think nowadays if he was here, it, it would drive him crazy, you know. Cause he, <laughs> the, the world. So many choices, so little time. He, right. He would be on that Internet. I could see it now, and he would just create havoc. I could see it, too.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> he, would, he was watching um, Reverend Ike. And, okay. and Reverend Ike is such a charismatic man that you know, you know, talking about all sorts of things at night and he, he, from Harlem, you know, preaching away. He was very eccentric, and I, you know, and he stood there in his suit and he's telling you, and he goes, "It's whatever gets you through the night." And I, and he went, "Whoa, what a great line!" There's a song in that. <laughs> and there's, there's a song in that. He goes, "That's a great line." He took his pet his pen and pad that he always had by the bed, and he, right. and he wrote that down. And and he knows that he used to say to me, if I don't force myself awake, then I will lose this. And by morning, hmm. so he would always, he would always have it by. And if he's falling asleep and he heard something he liked, he would just try to get himself up just to write that and put it back. And he heard that, and that for that one line. So when we were going in to do Walls and Bridges. Uh, he just sort of – he said, oh, I like that line, and he just started to create. It flows from him. The man definitely had just God-given talents. It was a natural yeah. thing. Just, things just flowed out of him, whatever it may be. So from there, he came up with that.
0: So so in essence, it was really um, impromptu whenever something struck him that he wanted to write down. He wrote it down. Right. Um, as you said, watching TV and so forth. It was just yeah, one of those it, things. it
1: didn't matter where he could be. He could, right. he could hear a phrase. He could look at a, a billboard. And if he liked something, he would jot it down. He used to jot things down when people would say something. He goes, Oh, I like that line. And he, it's like that uh, what it, someone said, Oh, what it is, what it is. And he goes, Hmm, I like that. Of course, it's all mm-hmm. on the, you know. And he would take napkin. If he didn't have paper, he would jot it down on a napkin. He had a flare pen. I love right. that black felt tip pen. And he always had That's it in true. his pocket. He'd just jot, jot it down and put it in his pocket. Gotcha. And so he would get all these catchphrases, and he would just weave them back into a song. You know, um, y- you, know you could say, I love you in, in one, you know, one way, but he could hear it 20 different ways, you know.
0: Sure, sure. And he, he had can a flair from that. He had an amazing flair.
1: Right. So he can mm-hmm. do that stuff. And it was, it was very interesting to watch him uh, come up with songs. The last song, which, of course, was number 9 Dream.
0: Yes. And What You're On.
1: Which I'm on. It's my voice, and it's very interesting, <laughs> yes. which a lot of people didn't realize. But it's yes. me singing with him as well in the background. But that came, that song was the last song to be written because he didn't have, um, we were thinking, oh, well, one song short. And a couple of nights before, and, he, and on top of that, the, the melody was something he created a, 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 a year what was it, earlier on for Harry Nielsen's album. And yeah. he thought it was such a it was such a waste to, that he created that for that for that uh, part for him that he said I'm going to make it into a full song. So he took the the music back and made it a full a full uh, length song, and that became ultimately number nine Dream. And he dreamt about his you know the the song was about a dream he had. And I remember him telling me because oh it was this very strange dream, and next thing you know it's now in the song.
0: That, that's unbelievable. That really is. Sure. okay. So let me ask you here. So at this time, John's writing music and now he's recording with artists like Elton John and David Bowie and, as you mentioned, Nielsen. Um, I said before, no one other than Paul, Ringo, and George have, have been privy to that process. So, what is it like knowing you are hearing these recordings and watching all this creativity happening before the public does? I mean, it's got to be a pretty heavy thing to be there and watching it. You know, and, and say to yourself, "Geez, you know." This must have been what it was like in the early years when everybody it, was sitting it, it around. Is
1: ama- it is amazing, and because when the first time I ever set foot into the studio was when I was an assist uh, when I was their assistant, and I'm also on along with those little at the end all the all the little uh, choir. I'm on the Happy Christmas single as well. Oh and yes, so right, right, cool. right. So I got a chance to be in the studio with Yoko as well when we're doing. Uh, Fly album um, uh, I've witnessed a lot of stuff and I've been very very uh, you know I've been blessed on that one because yes. I did the Happy Christmas single with them I've done um, I was there at the at their home uh, that whole uh, when he sings Imagine you know I'm there for, for that videotaping and it wasn't videotaping because yes. they actually were making a movie again which was you know they were trying to do vignettes to their songs Okay. Uh, you know, they were ahead of time in the sense before before music videos were out. Most
0: definitely, because so, so they
1: were making it and they were making the 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 videos for the song, as opposed right. to you know cutting it out and and singing it and then saying, well here it is, you know, um, gotcha. from a show from a show. They were they mm-hmm. were making it, and so I was very. Um, I watched that, so it's it's kind of interesting because that Imagine song I, I I can't even tell you how long it took because sometimes when when Yoko's opening up the the door you know through the window <laughs> it got stuck didn't work Yoko. you got to go back I mean it was a very simple thing but it was or you know it was everything like thing Yoko was,
0: please
1: yeah. please close
0: the door Yoko please we're so trying to record it got, it, call, got, right?
1: it got it got a little strange so.
0: So we had, I,
1: I watched all this go down, and then the, I think the, the uh, I'm, I've am i been very, uh, I, I've been very happy at the fact that I've done so many albums with them already, you know, and uh, working with them as, uh, you know, working on Mind Games, I've worked on hers. Fantastic uh, album. Yeah, you know, Mind Games was the first time he was coming back. He had taken himself out of out of the loop for about a year. He couldn't right. even want to write. He didn't, you know, there was he couldn't handle the the um, reviews that came in on the the Sometime in New York City album, and he just yeah. said, "I, I just got it." He, he just said, "I got to get out of this for now," and he would sure. just hold himself in, in you know, in the house. And finally, after one day, um, when Yoko was doing her Feeling the Space album, it was the first time she was using, uh, you know, what was it? All these great musicians outside of Jim Keltner who got the, all the music everybody in, was a New York musician all the top session yes. guys mm-hmm. and and John came in to play one bit and he tried to be like a musician like one of those session guys he came in and he played his one one riff there and then he left and, right. and then afterwards John said to me when I came in one day and he said listen book those same musicians I don't want to lose them Um. I said, when do you want them to go into the studio? And he so, said, in a couple of weeks. He goes, if I don't do it now, I won't do it. I'll back out. Wow. So, in essence, he didn't have an album ready, but he right. got those songs ready in two weeks. He didn't have any...
0: Unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Writing.
1: Yeah, he started writing.
0: That's a testament, I mean, to 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 his unbelievable creativity and the, the well that was, uh, you know, just unending where he could just tap from it at any point, at any time. Um, okay, so during your time with him, this is something I wanted to, to get into. You had inspired him to mend fences with Paul, and they played together for that one time, and the only time right. post the Beatles it, it's breakup. The, right,
1: it's, the, um, it's what people have out there, the bootleg, a bootleg, a toot and a snore, and I'm, I'm laughing, right. and I've, I've seen people go, I wouldn't waste my time buying this, or it wasn't meant <laughs> You know, it no. wasn't, people don't get that idea. It wasn't meant for the public. If this was supposed to be public, it would be a different story. Of course. This of course. A, you know, so when people write that, I just sort of laugh and I go, oh my God. Um, yeah, you can see the snobbery. Yeah, it was just, it, if they really wanted to create it again, they would. And I I almost sure. got them to do that. Because John actually said to me um, in early '75, he says, because we knew that. that um, Paul and Linda did cuz they had come over to our house and they said um in New York and they said well we're thinking we're going down to New Orleans we're going to be uh recording they go oh you're doing another album said, yeah we're going to be down there we're going mm-hmm. at this date and I said fine and I remember John one morning looking at you know say hey May what do you think I I got to ask you something I said what what would you think if I wrote with Paul again and I'm telling you my back was to him and I thought I was like in the Exorcist, the Linda Blair with the head turned <laughs> And I said, what? you killing me. I said, what, what, what do you mean? I, I, what do you mean, what do I think? I said, okay, here. He goes, well, what do you think? I said, well, you know what? You guys, solo-wise, we're good. You are right. good. But I said, you know, when the two of you are together, there's something that nobody can beat when it comes to songwriting. Absolutely. And, and he well said, put. he goes, hmm, okay, we'll see. And I knew at that moment, if I just was able to get, that's what would have happened. That's how much he was considering about going. That's why he said, let's go down to New Orleans. And I knew right. that that was, it was now, there was that enough mended fences. I was so happy. And, of course, at the same time as I was so happy, when things have changed, I was, I was quite sad that it never followed through anyway. But
0: that's yeah. how it
1: was. That's, that's, how it, that's how it was. And, uh, I mean, Paul, Paul and Linda were always at our house. You know, both right. in, you know in LA, but in New York, we would go out to dinner a lot. You know, we, would, we were we were to, we were there.
0: Do you keep in touch with with Paul as well? I mean, I know that you keep in touch with mm-hmm. um, with uh, Julian's mom and with um, George's wife, ex-wife, actually. I'm so, sorry, but, wife.
1: Uh, you mean? Uh, oh, it's, well, let's put it this way: I have Can not wait. seen. I have not seen uh, Olivia, I, although the last and Olivia and and um, and Ringo and Paul. Uh, for a, n- a number of years, because you know, I don't, I don't consider writing them all the time or anything. But there sure. were certain gatherings. The last gathering I was at with them, uh, I was at, um, I was at the tribute for George. In yes. England, and I was in the, I was at the, I was at Friar Park, and I hadn't been there in years. So it was quite yeah. interesting to see everybody there. It was nice. I said to Paul, I hadn't. Hadn't seen him in a while, and it was great. And we were hugging. He goes, and I congratulated him because I just read. I said, Oh, you just got married. Okay. Does that tell you? (laughs) Oh, right. And he he said, Oh, yes. Oh, I'll I'll come and meet her. You know, and I'm like, Oh, geez. And, you know, look um, where that went. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, unfortunately, it,
0: unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, I say that because I, I, was, I, you know, I think Paul is probably a phenomenal, a wonderful, phenomenal artist, as well as a, a great humanitarian as well. So, you know, right. it's unfortunate and when you see something like that happen to someone like that.
1: Absolutely. So I was, I was, um, I was just quite happy to see everyone. I mean, um, Eric Clapton was there. I hadn't seen him in a while. Jeff Lynn. Mm-hmm. I, uh, that night, I hadn't seen uh, some of the, oh, here's somebody for you. Um. Uh, what was it? Mo Austin was there.
0: <laughs> You're kidding.
1: Mo was wow. there.
0: Wow. Yeah, That's absolutely. Right. Much from my days in music publishing, That's sure. Right. Very well, Mo, known. Was,
1: Mo was there because he was very close to um, Mo was very close to George and Warner so Brothers. Yeah, right at Warner Brothers.
0: Yeah. And
1: yeah. Um, he was there, and and uh, and they brought a, Tom Hanks and his wife Rita.
0: So I'm sure. I got to
1: meet. So I got to meet uh, some people there. But uh, you know, nice. they were the new one. Astrid, Astrid was there. Mhm. So, it it was so, it was just nice to see everyone.
0: Now let me ask you a question. I'm, again, I'm going to uh, move forward a little bit as well. I mean, during that time, you actually reunited John with Julian, and I wanted yeah. to mention Julian because I have to tell you something. I thought he was extremely talented, and I think you know a lot of people maligned him in the business because he was his sound was a lot like John, eerily like John. But you want to know something, it's his son. I don't think people got the idea. I think they thought he was trying to sound like John when, when you open your mouth and that's who you sound like. That's right. who you sound like. I mean, this is just my take on it. And again, I, you, may, you may let me know and I may be wrong. But I thought he was extremely talented. And I thought, you know, I just think he got kind of almost like a hot potato kind of tossed around a bit within the business yes, and right. could have done, you know.
1: I, I, I have to tell you um uh right now I you know Julian is one of the most underrated musicians around. He's a mm-hmm. he really is he's a great um you know he's he's very involved in in saving the planet as well cuz he's got this whole white feather uh yeah, foundation foundation that he's got and he has right now an exhibition that's also the spirit of Lennon mm-hmm. out in Liverpool and at one point it will be a traveling one Hopefully it'll come down to certain places in America, and right. um, and what you know, and I'm I, I have to tell you it's uh, it's crazy, but uh, you know he, people should really yeah because people think oh you know he, he's trying to put one on he's not that's him and you know what no, yeah that's him he is he's a very talented per, uh, person and and you know again people should just really see Julian for Julian he's not trying to be he is the son of. I mean, that's,
0: that's absolutely the bottom line. It's and, in, the,
1: you know, it's the,
0: in the genes.
1: You know what? You know what's sad? What, yes. Yeah. And you know what's sad to me right now is that people say, "Oh," I, and I'll say, "Oh, yes, I, I I was with Julian." They go, "Who said?" I it? said, "Johnson." They say, "Oh, you mean Sean?" And I will go, "No." Really. Yeah, and it and wow. it really bothers me. I'm 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 still very close to to Cynthia, and you know, and and Julian sure. is one. Um, you know, he just put that song out for um, that he did a duet with uh, James Scott Cook for for Lucy, um, and donate the money to the Lupus Fund because Lucy, which is of course all these years we've been saying, you know, Lucy in the sky with diamonds. Oh movie right! Movie. Yes, absolutely. Yes. You Interesting.
0: Know?
1: Yeah. And so. Sure. And, he's, so uh, and over he's. over the years. Over the right. years. Yes, over ahead. the years that we've um, maintained the friendship. Uh, I tried to maintain a lot of friendship, and I, I see. I still am very in touch with a lot of the musicians from back then. That, yes, uh, I that wanted come, to ask
0: you uh, that with another question. Yes, I don't know what it was, but like, you're able to like immediately find the questions before I actually ask them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's there. You, you know, the the musicians in in uh, you know uh, in New York, especially that played on those albums, they, they're they're around. Um, I've I've spoken to I think oh, that's right. I think the last time I saw Klaus was also at that same Klaus Warman was at that same tribute. Mm-hmm. It was it Absolutely. was a it was a great night to be had that that night. Um, who else I haven't seen? I mean, it's just like but the New York musicians I see and they they are fantastic. I mean, you know, you're talking about the Kenny Asher, the the David Spinoza the Hugh McCracken, uh, the Steve right. Yads, the Rick Morales. I see them and they're they're fabulous. And I'm just very. Oh, phenomenal
0: lucky. musicians. And I, those are the guys that have, you know, have been the, the workhorses, if you will. I mean, uh, un, I'll, I'll just let my listeners know, again, here, pulling back on my um, my music biz knowledge, bringing back the audiophile aspect of what I did. Um, the Gads, uh, the Marauders, all the guys you're speaking of, these guys of that uh, stature these were guys that were on thousands of albums and, you know, and some of them even, you know, some toured with, uh, the, you know, the acts like, you know, Paul Simon, of course, with Steve Gadd, it was almost like they were, they were joined at the hip, but you know, these guys toured some toured, and some just played were session players that were so sought after. And you listen, and if you were a musician as I was and still are somewhat, um, you could hear, you could tell a Steve Gad song. You could tell it was Steve Gad on mm-hmm. there. Or, you know, you could tell oh. it was a, um, you know, it was like they, they made Chick- the song. Korea. They
1: were the backbones. They made the song.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. It's it, and it's it's unbelievable when you think about it. They have illustrious careers, but then, you know, they're known in, within the musicians as gods. But you know, outside of that, you know, people are like, oh, okay, Gad. I I think I've heard that name before. Is that the well, No it's, you know? it's like
1: you say, you know, that song, Fifty Ways to Leave Your Lover, and you know, you hear right. that that military. That's Gad. I mean, that's the. Way oh, of course,
0: that's and his it, signature. Because,
1: yeah, it was his signature song. I mean, you know, there's. I mean, you hear him. He's such a. He's such a low key person. And it's great. Yes. I mean, you know, and it's and it was said uh, a few years ago. It means, the the people, you, when you don't realize what's out there and who's out there, you know. And a few years ago, a friend of mine, a photographer, died, and um, yes. and I was telling people, and I said. Uh, and, and I put it out, and they said, who is this guy? I've never heard of him. And his name is Ian McMillan. And I said, you've you never heard of him? He goes, no, I don't, I've never heard him. I said, you know what? He's taken one of the most iconic photographs in the world on an album cover. They said, oh, are you sure? I've never heard of him. I, I doubt I would know the album. And I said, I think you would know this album. You know, this went on. They said, oh, and of, of course... I, the minute I said, "Well, all right, I'll tell you right now," you know the album. They said, "Okay, I'm sure," and they kept saying, "No, I wouldn't know it." And I said, "Have well, you right. ever heard of Abbey Road?"
0: Right. <laughs> and they
1: look at me and they go, "Abbey Road?" I said, "Yes. He's the one that took the photo." And he was a he was a um a lovely friend of mine that I've known over the years. And uh, he was, you know, and he had died oh, unfortunately of lung cancer. And I, I for yeah. me, fortunately, I was lucky enough to speak to him the week before, you know, right. and I, and I just sort of, we had talked and he kept saying, you know, he says, oh, I hope you called me back. And I said, I will. And I, and, and of course I, I, I didn't get a chance to a week later, you know, he had, he had passed. Yeah. But I was just happy enough that I had motivated myself, you know, sure, where I tell people, sure. you know, don't, don't wait. If you know somebody, they'll just, just keep moving, you know, just.
0: No, you're right. Yeah, you're, you you you're right on the money on that one.
1: Yeah, you know, right now another friend of mine is, um, is ill, uh, and I'm wishing her a speedy recovery, which is uh, uh, Phoebe Snow.
0: Yes. Right oh, I didn't know she is. Was interesting. Uh, I yes, didn't know that.
1: Uh, she, um, oh, it was terrible. She just had wonderful, a. Wonderful, beautiful singer. Oh, wonderful. Uh, she had um, a brain aneurysm.
0: Oh, uh, boy. So wow. she's
1: just been, uh, you know, she's just right now, uh, uh, you know, that she's in a stable condition. We're just waiting, you know, in, in, in time, you know, yeah. resting, and, and, and I'm hoping, you know. That's, what, that's all I'm so saying. So let me
0: take us on, on a lighter note here. Yes. You've done many things. You've written books, and one book in particular, the uh, one from uh, Year Two Bell, Instamatic Karma. Instamatic Karma. Tell me a karma. bit about the right? It's not karma. Tell me a bit about that experience. And I know that you've had a lot of prints and a lot of pictures with, that you've had with, uh, with John. So just tell me about the experience of being an author, you know, something a little different from your, uh, your mainstream, um, you know daily efforts. Right.
1: Well, you know what it is? And this one, I, I, a friend of mine really pushed me into doing it only because the fact was, um, you know, a lot of people talk about the, quote, the lost weekend. And then, of course, I speak about it, and it doesn't look – doesn't sound anything like it. And they see these pictures, and they go, John doesn't look miserable, as it's always purported out there. And I said, no. And, and so so finally they said, why don't we put some photos together and show what actually was going on. And these are photos um, – that I took. A lot of people didn't realize. I, I was an amateur photographer. I loved taking photographs, and John loved the look that he would get out of the photographs I used to take of him. <laughs> he, never, and he said, I never see myself look like this. And He actually liked right. my photographs, and the only thing was, I didn't have enough, I should have asked him for a camera, you know, like a better camera for certain, for certain things. But I had a Nikon, but I never thought about it being more than just taking photographs. So I took sure. all these photographs, and this is what's in this book. It's called Instamatic Karma. It's our time together. It's of the lost weekend, and you can see a picture of John and Paul. There's one photograph in there that I couldn't – I said, what is this? And I got the negatives out, and I said, gee, I don't know what this is. And I put it up because it was so dark. But it is the photograph of John inking his signature, mid-signature, of, of when they, the um of the Beatles.
0: Wow, yes. I had heard that that was in the book. That's pretty yes. amazing. You actually documented your time essentially with John yes. by doing that. Right. That's amazing. And if you think about it, everybody, if anyone out there would put themselves in your position um, and is, would be smart enough to think, hey, you know what, I like using a camera, that would have been the thing to do. And that you did it is is fantastic because it gives everybody, I want to tell everybody out there listening, that it is available on amazon.com instamatic karma by may right. peng and i want you to get out there as a beetle fan as a john lennon fan as just a fan of someone that wants to look at you know phenomenal pictures and get an idea of, of the time they had with with john uh it's a it's a great book and a great collection to have so i just wanted to add that in i didn't want to uh,
1: yeah. stop and, you, you. Know, <laughs> and then, oh, thank you and it's like you know it's the, the, from all of that, I've also, you know, because of my own, you know, the Asian influence in my life, yeah. you know, I was out there and I was always doing feng shui stuff and, you know, and John understood it. And, I, and so I started creating, because I didn't find anything that I liked, that I started creating some jewelry. Yes, your feng so, shui jewelry. Yeah, my feng shui jewelry and and I and they also make a little bit of the furniture with it. So it's all stainless steel and it's like it's some it's an element in my life and my mother used to talk to me. You, you know, all about the feng shui stuff and I go, "Yeah, my ma, yeah, my ma, you know, and <laughs> of course, finally it finally sunk in at one point, you know. So I've I've done yes. all this stuff and I I've, I've done there's also prints um, you know, my prints for uh limited uh prints uh, available from my book as well on the instant yes. karma and uh you know i i know that elton bought one of my photographs at one point and wow, uh, nice. it was yeah so there's 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 all sorts of things in there and the people who are do want to see what it's like that that time period was totally different from what is in the press of course the press yes. always wants to make it more than it is
0: Fallacious and they want to make me want to sell magazines and, yeah. you know, but now I, I want to also before anything, of course, I'm going to mention this again at the end of the show, but um, I wanted to mention that you have, you know, your website, which is www.maypang.com. And um, on that, you also mention a few things. Um, one, your Asian media network, if you want to just touch upon right. that, oh, that and yeah, let us my, know what my, that's all about.
1: Yes, my Asian media, uh, you know, internet uh, news network here is about, yes. it's a webzine that I created with my daughter, and mainly it's my, you know, it's my, I said that to her, I said, I think I'll do it, she goes, I don't know, uh, but I did it because we were talking about the pop culture of today. Um, where we talked about you know what the new music that's out there a lot of the, a lot of non-Asians was a site for non-Asians and and Asians who are born outside of the homeland who can't read or uh the, you know if you go to these bands they're they're either in Korean or Japanese or Chinese and yes. you're going what are they saying so we decided <laughs> to to create something to give the news to all the people and bring it over you know and hopefully that. Other people, even from the other countries, there's a translator on there for their country. But you know, to read all the news that we put on, so That's it's like a pop, like it's like a pop magazine, a pop culture yeah. one, because we talk about the movies, we talk about uh, people that have, you know, that are involved in the other foreign countries that are popular, and it takes in all of the Asian network, meaning Asia, meaning it's also Korean, it's Japanese, mm-hmm. Philippine, it's even Bollywood.
0: Wow. So, okay, so it I, covers I, everything.
1: Gonna, yeah, we're going to cover that whole, that whole network. Okay. Yeah. You
0: also have a Beatle Cruise. Why don't you tell everybody about the Beatle Cruise?
1: Well, there is a Beatle Cruise coming up the, uh, March 28th that's on the Royal Caribbean, and if people want to go, it's the Beatlestributecruise.com. And me, uh, my friend Chris O'Dell, who just had a book out. Yes. Uh, who was also around that, during that time. Nancy Andrew, who was, uh, who was the ex-fiance of, of Ringo. The three of us, plus oh, Shannon, right, yes. who, yeah plus Shannon, who's a great artist um and paul saltzman the the photographer from the uh who's in India, who's in, in India for all those photographs uh, yes. <clears throat> jury uh, grace i i think that um there's a there was a uh, there was a whole group of people that are that are on the ship. And you could come and you get on the boat and sail with us for six nights. And I think it's a great idea. Are, and it's and you got us for for those six nights.
0: That's fantastic. And I know there's uh, also a, a Beatles group that that's on there that uh, that will perform as well. Yes. I that, that's going to perform. There. right? do Beatles music.
1: Right. There'll be some. Right. Of the, there'll be some of those out there. So we're we're doing Excellent. a um, we're going to be doing a little thing, and you know we have a Q and A. There's a meet and greet. And uh, then we have some. We you buy some of our books on on you know on the ship, and right. you know we don't have the whole ship. We just have a, a portion <laughs> of it. But you know, no, not the whole know. ship. Yeah, yeah. I wish that would be been great. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, and it's I was mean, thinking crazy. that.
0: And I, in all honesty, I would I would, I can almost believe. You know, had you said that, I would have wouldn't have had any problem believing that there was enough people out there that would want to be on the ship with you guys and uh, everybody else. Now, I want to let my my listeners know, I mean, blog talk radio, a phenomenal medium for, you know, anyone uh, to get their word out about whatever it is that they want to get their word out about there. That's the radio network that I'm on, as well (laughs) as May.
1: That's right. Thank you. I have my my announcer voice as well. I do. I I, I do. You've got one. Yes. I've got one. My block talk radio works on on. We call it dinner specials because one day I yes. said I need I need something for this. I need dinner specials. I need you know because that was something every day. You just look at something different. We talk about anything. Uh, lately, I've been doing um, a lot of those uh, you know dear Abby things because a lot of people call me up and ask me you know for advice. So we've been doing right. that as well. And oh, I want to ask you. You're the one who girl. I want to ask you about I the am. wine. Okay. okay. I was going to get My, into that I, afterwards, you know, but I wanted
0: to go ahead. Go now,
1: <laughs> you know, we, we, we talk about that. Franciscan wine was, is a great wine that I had. Yes,
0: yes, yes, yes. Okay, so wait, I wanted to tell you that, by the way, oh, this is a wine show everyone. That you can call on about that too. Yes. <laughs> okay, so now we'll talk about wine, because I had to do that real disclaimer. You know, people have called me up and, or sent me emails. Wait a minute. Isn't there something about wine to talk about? Yes. Okay. So you wanted to talk about Franciscan Franciscans out of Napa Valley, they're a phenomenal, I've been to, their, uh, to Napa Valley and I've been to their, um, their vineyard and their winery. Beautiful, great people there. Um, I had gone actually, it's going to be two years ago, getting two years ago, and uh, right around, right after Harvest. Which is a great time to go, right. and they make they make um, their cabernet is outstanding. So only wine you good. they they make a cabernet that's really 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 good. It's, it's mildly priced, around twenty bucks or so, twenty twenty five dollars. Excellent excellent choice for just about anything. However, I think you and I had discussed this once before uh, off the air, and they make a wine which which for me is probably one of their for me it's probably one of the best reds that Napa produces for, I mean, for this price point. It's a real pricey in that it's about $45 or $50 a bottle, not something that the average person is going to spend on it, but it's called Franciscan Magnificat, okay? And it's a blend of, of, of red. It's, it's got Cabernet. It's got Merlot. It's got Petit Ferdot in it. It's got um, – boy, why can't I think of it right now? It escapes me, but I think there's one more grape actually in it, and it is just – a beautiful wine, well-balanced, and you can pretty much by itself drink it and then really enjoy it, or you want to pair it up. You pair it up with, like, a nice beef, grilled beef, or, um, you know, nice sirloin or whatever, whatever type of cut you like. Or you can do it, like, a, any type of meat dish is fine. You can even do it, I and mean, you can even go as far as if you want to just do it like a barbecue, you could do it with, like, chili. I mean, oddly enough, I know it goes from the ridiculous to the sublime, but you can really, really go from any type of party and then when they're serving, you know, any type of fare from really, really, you know, nice to to the cherry cook-off. But
1: I got to tell you something. The best That's one that funny. I had of recent, you when you told me, I almost fell off the chair. Which was Dad? 24.80. I said, What <laughs> is that? I've never seen that bottle before in my life. Yeah. I said to you that the bottle was heavy to begin with, and I thought yes. it was full. So I can I can't even remember how heavy it must have been when it was full. So. I'm just saying 2480. I You asked me. I don't even remember who gave me this bottle. Whoever yes. it is, I thank you because it was a magnificent <laughs> wine, and I could not believe the price on it. I was like, what? Yes.
0: Yes. That's about an 80, between 80 and $90, maybe a little bit more, bottle on average. And uh, it's just, a, again, a very sweet, I don't mean in taste, but uh, I mean a sweet wine, meaning like really nice uh, if you get it.
1: I shared that bottle, and you know and I mm-hmm. didn't know anymore, and I said, oh, let me open up this bottle. And I mm-hmm. shared it with um, my friend Annie, who was visiting me, who happens to be Julian Lennon's uh, personal assistant. She was here for okay, the Okay, there you go. And I said, Talk about okay. way, full circle,
0: by the way. Just what I say, yes. Talk about full circle.
1: Okay, good. The full circle. <laughs> and I turned around, and I said, let's do this. And she goes, you sure? I said, yeah, I don't know what this bottle is, but let's open it up. Okay. And we just, I mean, that 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 wine got polished off. Mm-hmm. I bet. So I had to, so not knowing. So I wrote to her just recently, telling her that this this bottle of wine was what you had said, and she goes, ah, and she goes, I knew it had to be something because we just loved it. It was just, just, just
0: so. You know, let's go on record that name. Nay Pang prefers red wines. Anyone out there looking to get anything for her? She prefers fine. red wines, and okay. uh, she likes cabernets. And um you know and you don't have to, you know, you know, you can spend whatever you want to spend on it. You know, don't don't hold back. Okay, I just want everybody to know, don't hold back. <laughs> so if you you've gotta get something for it, give us some good stuff. You know what I mean? Um, that was and, the best wine. Oh uh, yeah. And, and 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 here's what I'm gonna do. Right now I'm just gonna I'm gonna give everybody a tip out there. I'm gonna, you know, recommend a wine out there. So let's let's uh, again, we're going completely off format tonight. Uh, normally I'd be doing all of my uh recommendations and my, and, you know, festivals to go to and all that, but uh, and, and, uh, when, when you have someone of this caliber you have May Pang on, it, it's a whole different show, a completely different show. So, um, I'm going to make a recommendation tonight. I think what would be a great one, and here's something that, by the way, we're going to go in the completely opposite direction. Here we are talking about a $50 bottle of wine and, and, uh, and 25 and $30. i am going to go to a wine that I've recommended once before, and people flip out when I tell them about it because it's it's great wine. Uh, it's actually, if you watch my first video, the one, one, 101 video that I have, I did this this wine on it. It's called uh, it's called Columbia Crest Vineyard Ten Red. It's a nine dollar bottle of wine, people. Nine dollars. So everybody can afford this. Okay. It's a blend as well.
1: Okay. So uh, vineyard, of red Columbia Crest. So it's the Vineyard. What was that again?
0: Vineyard Ten Red. Vineyard 10. This is your everyday wine. This is something you will not get tired of. It's uh, Syrah and Cabernet, and it's blended real, real well. And it is so nice. It's, again, perfect for just every day. You want to sit around, you want to have somebody over, and you want to pour a nice bottle of wine. It could be the starting wine. If you're at a barbecue and you say, you know what, let's start off while we're cooking and we're grilling everything up here, I'm going to pour a little wine to sip on. And then if you want to, you could actually continue with it. It's not a problem. But I wanted to put it out there. $9. So Good. having said that, that was the other thing I wanted to get out there. Just one more recommendation on the wine end. Um, otherwise from that, I want to make sure that everybody's aware that you can go to Maypang's website, www.maypang.com. Um, yeah, they can
1: find and my jewelry. They can find, the, you know, whatever. And they everything can we on. talked
0: about there as well. Um, if you have any questions about the show, uh, you can also go to www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash, uh, is it Maypang? Yeah.
1: Yep. Okay. The show. So if they want to go to the show,
0: they can go to the yep. show and check that out as well.
1: Maypang, right.
0: Okay. And uh, in addition to that, I want to first and foremost thank Maypang for coming on my show. It's been a blast. Uh, and I want to hope that uh, you'll come back on the show again in any other time. Uh, and you're a very generous woman for doing so. Uh, you know that where you can go to find out more about her. You know where to go and find out more about me on www.studerwineguru.com. They can find me on
1: Facebook as well on my fan page.
0: Excellent. Uh And uh, as I always say to everyone out there when I kind of uh, sign off on the show, I say if it's time to pull the wine, it's time for Stu the Wine Guru. So drink up. Good night to everyone. Good wine. And, again, thank you, May. I can't thank you enough. um, Had
1: fun. I want want you to have a
0: a great evening, and everyone out there, have a great evening as well. Thanks again. Bye. Bye. And now on Blog Talk.